Good morning, guys. It's good to see you. Thank you for coming in the rain to be with us this morning. So just real quick, in case we've got anyone that's new here with us this morning, um, just want to introduce myself. I'm not Artie, obviously. He's away on vacation this morning. And um, My name is Jamie Smith, and I'm the worship director here uh, at CCC. But this morning, I get the privilege of being able to speak with you um, on a topic that is really close to my heart. I mean, especially even in, in the current season that my family and I are walking through, this secret place for us has just been, it's been like an anchor in, in rocky seas. So I know that when I was younger, trials and tribulations were really more of just like a thought, like a fantasy maybe. Because I, I spent, um, I had a really, really blessed safe childhood. I know that maybe that's not the same for everyone, but for me, my parents did a really great job of covering me and sheltering me and bearing those burdens for me. But then as I grew up into an adult and I realized life is a little bit more difficult than it used to be. And you start to wonder, am I doing something wrong? Why is this so hard? And obviously there are consequences to the choices we make. Sometimes we make a mess, but I realized that, I mean, life is just kind of messy. It's rocky sea sometimes, just because it is. And so when you're rooted in this habit of constantly coming back and meeting with God in the secret place, that's the anchor to where those, those waves don't crush you. You feel them, you experience them, but you are anchored and you are steadied by him. And so this morning, I do want to talk about the secret place specifically, what it is, why it's important for us, why it's essential for us, and how we can find our secret place. So I did hear, I heard a story about Mother Teresa once when she was asked about her secret place. Maybe you guys have heard it before. Um, but she sat down for an interview with Dan Rather, and he was asking her, you know, I know that you pray a lot. So tell me, when you sit down and pray, what do you say to God? And she said, well, I don't say anything, I listen. And so he responded back, well then, what does God say to you? And she said, he doesn't say anything, he listens. And obviously there was a pause where he was trying to wrap his mind around what she was trying to say. And she said eventually, and if you can't understand that, I can't explain it. I think you probably was disappointed in that answer. I didn't, I didn't watch the live viewing of this interview, so I couldn't read his expression. It was just reading off a page. but. I imagine he was probably perplexed, if not disappointed, in those answers. I mean, he was probably psyching himself up in the mirror that morning, being like, I got Mother Teresa in the chair, and I'm going to be uh, you know, sharing with the world these five spiritual steps to live like her, and then these are the answers that she's giving him. He probably thought she wasn't revealing much, but I think she was. I think what she was trying to say is that her time away with God, however she spends it, is less about strategy and more about just being present, just experiencing the presence of God. That's not something that I could wrap my head around for a while. Um, I remember being introduced to Jesus when I was really young. My mom told me about Jesus when I was, I don't know, I remember maybe four or five, I don't know. Um, and I believed what she said about him, and I accepted him into my heart, and I had this awareness of him being with me. But it wasn't until I was uh, a teenager that I really started to seek relationship, that I understood that relationship was possible. 
and I started getting into youth group and had some great mentors that helped me develop these spiritual disciplines of prayer and coming together to worship with my community and reading my Bible. But it was when I was seeking him privately that I grew the most. When I sought relationship with him by myself, in my room, alone with him, that I started to understand what Mother Teresa was saying. It is an experience that you just, you just have to have it to know what she's talking about. But that wasn't something that just came easy. For a long time, it was something that, if I'm being completely honest, the idea of doing that bored me. As a 14-year-old learning about going away and having some prayer time, it's like, oh, gosh. That just doesn't sound fun, right? I mean, sometimes it was hard to get the motivation. Sometimes it was hard to find the time because there's... There's so much to do, right? But it was in those years where I decided that I was going to do it anyway, I was going to seek him, that our relationship strengthened and that I realized just how critical meeting with him in that secret place was for my life. So maybe that's you. Maybe you've struggled before with having the motivation, wondering if it's even worth doing. Does it add anything? I mean, is it worth making the time for it? And I really believe that it does. And so that's what I want to talk about. I believe if we can just, if we can press through that and develop this habit of meeting with him on a consistent basis, that we will see growth in our lives, that we'll be nourished in a way that we didn't realize we could be or that we needed to be. So I first want to talk about what it is. When I say the secret place, I guess I'm using that term just because it's a term that that's in scripture. So you may have grown up calling it Jesus time or quiet time like I did. Maybe you called it your prayer closet or um, maybe the church background that you came from called it soaking time or maybe you just call it coffee and Jesus time, right? You got the hat and the shirt and you go with your coffee and meet with Jesus. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the time that we spend intentionally separating ourselves from everything else, being undistracted and just meeting with him. So let's look at scripture and see what it says about the secret place and what it is. So the first scripture is Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I love how the Psalms, they, just, they do a great job of painting us pictures. They're just full of imagery. So I want to talk for just a minute about some of these words in this verse. The word dwells in the original Hebrew. It actually means sit or remain. And that phrase secret place means cover or shelter. So if we were to read this verse again and try and get this picture, this image in our head of what the Psalms are saying the secret place is, it would be like this. He who sits and remains under the covering or the sheltering of the Most High abides in the shadow of the Almighty. And then in Matthew 6, these are Jesus' words. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And not only did he say to do this, he actually modeled it. In Matthew 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus models this. It says, After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray later that night. He was there alone. 
So what can be determined from, from these verses? I think it's really simple. The secret place is just that. It's a place that we go to be in secret with God. It's so not complicated, right? I think sometimes we have this tendency to overcomplicate spiritual practices because we think they need to be flashy. But it's so simple. It's just the time that we take to meet in a secret place with God. And maybe it's my, my introverted nature that this really appeals to me in some ways. Like this idea of going away and shutting the door and being by myself and just having this covering, that, that imagery, I love it. I get it. I can, I can do that, right? But if I'm being honest, there's also another part of me that struggles with this implied stillness of the secret place. I don't know if you guys have ever taken the personality tests that are out there. I think I've taken about every single one of them twice. And the adjectives that are used to describe my personality are, some of them are not very nice, honestly, but the ones that I, I don't hate are producer and doer and achiever. In, in my nature, the way I was made, I like to get things done. I like organization, I like lists, and I like checking them off. I just, I like to be busy doing stuff. In the story of Mary and Martha, I am Martha. And there's nothing wrong with being Martha, and there's nothing wrong with being Mary. I just, I'm the one that's going to get up and clean the dishes instead of sit at the table, just because that's what feels right to me. I like to be busy doing something. So this idea of sitting and being still, like, I mean, I can wrap my mind around getting away, but sitting and being still, it's kind of hard for me to imagine doing that. And I know that especially in 2023 culture, even if you could get away physically, usually we have a device in our back pocket that has notifications and alarm bells going off all the time, right? Sometimes there's even like a, what is it called? Uh, a ghost vibration or something? Like, it's not even there, but you feel like you're just, you know it's coming. So even if we were to get away, sometimes it's really hard to unplug our minds and just be still and quiet all this stuff up here. So I completely understand the challenge with getting away into this place that feels quiet, where you remain, where you sit, in the covering of the Lord. But I think it's worth trying. Why is a secret place important? Why do we go and spend time with the people that we have relationship with? Why do we go on a date night with our spouse, even though we've been married for decades? Why do we go to girls' night and hang with the girls? Why do we go to our small group, our community group? Why do we go to donuts with dad and muffins with mom way too early in the morning and sit in those way too tiny chairs? You're so uncomfortable. Why do we do that? We do that because those people in our lives are important to us. We love them, we value them, and we want to invest in relationship with them. And we do that by taking time away and being with them. We've left everything else behind to go spend 30 minutes, an hour, whatever, with those people to have conversation, to share life with them, to support each other. And it's the same with God. We go into the secret place to know God. And John 17, 3 says this. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I want to read that again, because it's just plain as day. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. 
To know God is life. To know him is what sustains our life, that union with him. That's why we go to meet with him. Meeting with him roots us in our identity and in our faith. It's in our nature as created beings to live lives intertwined with our creator. It's in our nature to live lives in union with him, in connection with him. There's a couple of verses that I have here in the notes that, that I think describe that union, that, that nature to be connected with him. And the first one is Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. And you may not know this, but our staff went on retreat last January when we were uh, talking about our new mission and vision for our church. We knew that this church was going into a new season and we needed a new mission and vision statement to, to guide us, to give us direction. And so we met and talked about what that looked like for us. And the first scripture verse that we opened our Bibles to was this scripture. And this is where we landed. So our church mission and vision is wrapped around the idea of Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, which says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There's so many things in that verse that tell us that there's union with Christ. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He prays that we would be rooted and established in his love. And it's in that rooting that we are then empowered not just to grasp God's love for us, but to share it with other people. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. But apart from him, we can do nothing. It is in our nature to stay connected with him, to remain in him. And in fact, it says, that's how we bear fruit, by staying connected with him. That's how our lives bear fruit. So if you were to take a seed of any kind, whether it's a cucumber seed, a flower seed, a tomato plant, whatever you put in the ground, you put it in the ground and you cover it with soil. It's in that place, that secret place, where that seed is nourished by the soil and it grows roots and it grows roots deep and wide. And when that root system is strong enough, has built a strong enough foundation, that's when life sprouts up where people can see it. That's when fruit grows where it can be seen. But it's in the secret place that those roots are established, where that relationship begins in order, in order to sustain the good fruit that you'll produce. So we go to the secret place to know him, but we keep on going, because this is not just a one-time thing, this is a habit that I'm talking about this morning, a habit of coming back and meeting with him often. And John 17, 26 says, I have made you known, I've made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself can be in them. 
So why does Jesus say this? These are Jesus' words, by the way. Let me give you some context. So this is after the first communion that Jesus had with his disciples. And he knew that the cross was very quickly approaching, and he was, he was giving his disciples just every last ounce of understanding and wisdom that he could. And at the end of that meal, he began to pray. He, he prayed for his disciples, but then he continued to pray for us. These are the things that he was praying. Lord, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. Why would he say that? Remember, he told the disciples that he was going to physically leave, but that he would be sending a helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And the Holy Spirit would be our comforter, our guide, right? And he would also reveal, continually reveal to us the heart of the Father. So there's more to know. There's more to know for us right now. So I love the Bible. I love studying it. And I believe that as we read it, Obviously, we can gain new revelation and new understanding as we read those texts, right? But that was just like our first download, so to speak, of who Jesus is, of who God is. There's more to know. And we know that by meeting with him and building relationship and listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit to teach us. So if we were to put an app on our phone, anything that we downloaded for the first time, right? You can use that app probably for a good while, and it functioned properly. But at some point, you're going to get one of those notifications that tells you there's an update, and you've got to apply the update. And I don't know if you're like me and just hit, maybe tomorrow, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow. I do that a lot because it's inconvenient, right? (laughs) But if we don't apply the update, what happens? Eventually that program does not function well. You might be able to open it and use it a little bit, but there's a part of it that just isn't working properly. It's out of alignment. So, I mean, technically speaking, I, I don't know a whole lot about gadgets and tech and all that kind of stuff. I've got people in my life that are awesome, that support me in that way and fill those holes where I don't know what, what I'm doing. Uh, So in an effort to not sound like a dummy this morning, I did do a a Google search. If you put in Google and ask it, why do we do updates? This is what it says. It says, updates aren't designed to fix problems or protect your device. Instead, they're made to improve its performance by streamlining the operating system or making the code more efficient. Streamlining means sending and receiving data in a continuous flow, like it's just fluid. It's functioning really easy. It's a well-oiled machine. And that's what communion is. It's a giving and taking. It's a sending and receiving. It's a conversation, a continual conversation, where we, we remain in sync. That's what meeting in the secret place is. We stay constantly aware of his voice. And we are streamlined. So how do we find our secret place? Because I don't know if if you're like me when I first started learning about this idea of getting away and praying with God, the picture in my head was grandma, right? What does grandma do? Or what all the, you know, all the, the people in your life that you're looking up to as mentors, what do they do, right? And there's like 
I mean, I can't do what they do. I can't go pray for an hour and a half, or I can't, you know, spend all, all day at my bedside on my knees. Like, the secret place for those people does not have to be the secret place for you. We are unique individuals. We have different personalities, different relationships with God, and so our secret place doesn't have to look like our neighbors. So I want to help you figure out what does that look like for you? Like anything that we decide that is good for us, that we need to do for ourselves to build relationship or anything else, we need to figure out what's the plan before we get there, right? That's always good advice. Whether you're starting um, a diet, whether you're starting an exercise routine or, or you're talking to your child about the rules before they leave the house, right? Let's get a plan. What do we know? What are we gonna do? So let's get a plan. Let's start by talking about where we go. So it could be, honestly, it could be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in your home. It doesn't have to be in a place that, that you frequent every day. It just needs to be a place that you are free from distraction, as free as possible. Remember that Matthew 6, 6 says, go and shut the door. Go to your private room and shut the door. That could be a physical room. It could be your physical closet. Moms, it could be the bathroom, lock the door, <laughs> whatever kind of time that you can get away and be undistracted. It could be a physical room, but it doesn't have to be. It's just some place that we go and intentionally separate ourselves from all of other distractions that we have. Wherever we go, though, it is important that we go alone. And speaking again to moms, I mean, this is just my personal experience. So this is, uh, this is something that I struggle with. This is not one of those times that you put on your multitasking list. I know that we've got so much to accomplish in one day that sometimes we've got to pile them on and do three or four at the same time to get everything done or it won't all get done. Maybe that's not a struggle for you, but it sure is for me. I like to get things done. And so there have been times where, you know, there's just too much to do. And so I get a little out of sync and I get grouchy and I've just had to pop in my earbuds and throw on some worship music and get the laundry and the dishes done that way and just have that little bit of moment where I get back to Jesus before I get too cranky. And that's awesome. If you guys are doing that, keep on doing that. Those breath prayers in the middle of the day, those are awesome. Keep doing that. But it's different than the secret place when you actually just get away, when you completely separate yourself, free from distractions. Because even with those earbuds in, I mean, I was still hearing all the chaos. I had a sense of what was going on in the room and still answering questions and, you know, doing a lot of different things. And so I wasn't completely plugged in. It was enough for me at that moment, but it's so critical that we take time even if it's five minutes to get away, to unplug, and just to get realigned and remember the presence of God. So I know I mentioned earlier that I was a teenager when I was trying to figure out all these spiritual disciplines and figure out what relationship with Jesus meant. And like, like typically happens when you're learning something new, right? Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes... You get way out of alignment before you can get in alignment for the first time, right? And so the mistake I made was bringing my secret place to a common space. 
when I was 15, 16 years old and that relationship with, was new, I was 100% in, completely vested in that relationship. And I wanted to please him so much. I wanted to be the best that I could be. And so when it came to this prayer time or this secret place, I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And I would get up in the morning and I'd put on my clothes and I'd go sit at the kitchen table, pour myself a bowl of cereal and I would pray over my meal and then I wouldn't stop. It would just keep on going. Because remember, I'm a checklist person, so I had my checklist. Right? I prayed for me, I prayed for the family, I prayed for all the friends, I prayed for everyone in America that I heard on the news was having a bad day. Like, prayed for everything. I felt like I had to just completely cover everything for that to be a legitimate time with Jesus. And while I was doing that, and my cereal was becoming a soggy mess in my bowl, I could hear my dad across the table. <sighs> Gosh, can you just say amen already? Like, your cereal's gross. Like, can you just, can you just stop? I don't remember if that's accurate, Dad, but that's how I, how I view it. And I remember at the time, I was like, oh, you just don't get it. I'm just like, I'm trying really hard to be a good Christian and do the right thing. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Why are you getting so irritated here? Have you guys ever walked in a room that you were supposed to be in? I mean, you walked in the room and you found a couple of people over in the corner whispering to each other. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you're okay. Come on in, come on in. And then they just proceed to whisper. And you're like, mm, no thanks. I'll find something else to do for a few minutes. Like, there's just this awkwardness. Like, you could be in that space. It wasn't a private room or anything like that, but it was just weird to have to share a space with something private that was going on. You felt like you weren't supposed to be there. And that's exactly what I was doing at my kitchen table. My dad, who would get up way sooner than I, would sit there first, and he'd have his cream of wheat in his newspaper or whatever you're reading, I don't remember. And I would come, me and Jesus in our secret meeting, whispering together at the table. It was awkward. I was the one that was being inconsiderate. Didn't realize that at 16, but I was the one that was being inconsiderate. So it's important for us to find some place that's private, not just for ourselves, but also for the other people in our lives, right? This is meant to be a time that is just for you and him. So allow it to be just for you and him. So then what do you say? What do you say or what do you do once you find that space? And remember that it can be as simple as Mother Teresa said. It could be, it doesn't have to be a conversation at all. It can just be simply becoming aware that God is present in that space with you. It can be a time where you just let the thoughts settle, and you just breathe slowly, and you just experience being still with God. It could also be something where you've got a devotional of some sort to guide that time. I know for me, right now in this season of my life, my secret place is early in the morning before everyone gets up, and so my brain isn't completely firing all the way, and so it helps me to have a devotional to get everything started, to get my brain awake and get the, the blood flowing, and then I can start a more sustainable conversation. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes my thoughts are all over the place and, and he can handle it. Um, maybe something that's more of a guide would help, like the liturgy. I know that Artie has talked a lot about the liturgy and how we can use that in our prayer time. And then there's also 
Again, a guide for us in scripture in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It's the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So I've written in your notes a template that reflects the Lord's Prayer. And if this is useful for you, try using it. But it basically, the Lord's Prayer starts by acknowledging the holiness of God. You might start off by saying, God... I know you're here. I don't understand how you are, but I know you're here. And I feel like I saw you in the sunset this morning as I drove to work or, you know, some, some way that you acknowledge his holiness. Take a moment to align yourself with his will. God, this is how I'm feeling about this and that and this and that. And I just want to know what's your heart. What do you think? Request provision. Receive grace and ask for the power to extend it. Ask for help in our weakness. We can be honest with him about everything that we're feeling and our need for him. And then finally, ending with a kingdom perspective. Before we end that time, just taking a moment to praise him again and reflecting on the goodness and the truth of God. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on back up. And we're going to close a little bit early this morning, but I want to end with a final thought. And this is a, this is a thought actually from Artie in one of his sermons on parables that he's spoken recently. And he said this, if we're not mindful, spiritual work becomes a replacement for spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is living from an active awareness of our spiritual connection with God in Christ. If we're not mindful, spiritual work becomes a replacement for spiritual intimacy. And in this church, I know that we are, we are servants. I see how you guys serve each other, not just inside this church, but outside. You volunteer your time, you give yourselves and I know that we as a church are already beginning to change the way people perceive Christianity in our community, in our generation. I've seen, I'm seeing it happen in our youth group. So I know that in this church we are doing good things. We're doing spiritual works that have value. But if we're not careful, if we don't stay rooted, if we neglect spiritual intimacy, those spiritual works, they become harder and harder. We become resentful, we become tired, we become grouchy. And what at one time naturally flowed from us, this genuine heart of giving and sharing and loving, it can become hard and rigid. So staying constantly rooted and coming back and meeting with the Lord and, and getting in alignment with Him again and seeing where He might need to mend some roots in our lives so that we can grow and sustain that good fruit in our life. It's critical for us 
we can't neglect the spiritual intimacy. We need both. We need both the spiritual works and the spiritual intimacy. If you guys would stand with us as we're going to prepare for communion this morning. I want us to reflect on these things as the worship team leads us in another song and as we take communion. Feel free to take communion and go back to your seats and take that with your family this morning. Reflect on this. Do you have a regular routine of getting away with God? If not, how can you start? What is one small adjustment you can make to your schedule to carve out five minutes or ten minutes? Where can you go? Where can you find a space of quiet that's distractionless? If yes, this is a habit that you're already doing well with. You're meeting with God often. You might ask God in this time what he might be asking you to do differently. I know that as seasons have changed in my life, sometimes the place where I meet with him and the time that I meet with him has to change just because other things are going on. And I know that when that's happened more times than not, just because I am physically seeing something different, I'm physically hearing something different in that new space, I learn something different. God speaks something different. So just ask yourself, ask God, is there a way that you want to challenge me? Is there another place I need to go, another time I need to meet with you? If it helps, maybe decide to do five minutes a day for 21 days to give yourself time to get in a new rhythm. The last five minutes of your day, even take out a journal, and if all you do is just sit there with a blank page, that's fine. Just create a new habit of separating yourself and, and just experiencing again the presence of God and letting him root you and ground you, establish you in love remind you of that again.